Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with myself, Chris Mears, and as always, my co-host, Carla Lindarte. Hello, everyone. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. It's strange to um, record this in the daytime because it's not our traditional recording day. It's Black <laughs> Friday today, so hope you've been picking up some bargains. Yep, I have been buying lots of stuff that I don't really need. Same here, I've got a motion sensor for my light bulbs, which is pretty exciting stuff. So now when I walk into the kitchen, I don't have to tell Alexa to turn my lights on. <laughs> That's good. I'm buying a second Google Mini, mini Google Home because uh, I've got one in my kitchen, but I need one in my bedroom. So oh, You're not Team Alexa then? No, I'm not Team Alexa. I'm a Google. I'm in the Google ecosystem. Okay. Um, so there was a couple of bits of feedback from the Personas episodes that I thought we'd talk about quickly. So the first one was quite an interesting one, actually. And it's, it wasn't a complaint, but it was a comment that in the last episode, we seemed to agree with each other. <laughs> and I was a bit baffled by that because I never really saw this as a kind of, I've got one point of view, you've got one point of view, and then we battle to the death over it. <laughs> it's kind of just us talking about our experiences. Sometimes they'll be the same, sometimes they'll be different. But it's not really, I never really saw it as kind of a me versus you type thing. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't see this podcast as being like um, you and I arguing arguing around different things. We did argue about the music. Um, we did. But uh, not about anything else. Um, and I, I think we kind of come up with the same conclusions. It just shows that we have similar experience um, with the stuff that we interact with every day. So that's all I can say, I, I guess. Yeah. So if you're looking for arguments, you might need to turn elsewhere, unfortunately. Or maybe just to argue with you more. Yeah, we'll find some more controversial topics to talk about. Maybe we'll cover Donald Trump or something in a future episode. <laughs> okay. That's a good idea. Okay. And you had... Um, someone contact you as well that you wanted to mention yeah i'm not going to mention names because i'm not allowed to but um just wanted to say thank you for the amazing message i received personal message on linkedin uh from someone who found uh all our episodes very very useful and he was actually looking for uh, more <clears throat> information about podcasts about ux um because apparently has he hasn't found as many um, and what other other recommendations I could give him about like listening to um, people talking about experience design. So maybe that's something that we can do uh, later on a, an episode about resources, perhaps like, you know, good podcasts to listen to, good websites to go to, good books to read as well. So um, if people like that idea, maybe we should do that next. Yeah, that sounds sensible. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about a, a little bit of a controversial topic, which is um, what I call the dead of the Y-frame. Y-frames are dying. They're dying, are they? It's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. I mean, I, I don't think they're necessarily dying completely. I think they're just transforming. Uh, what we knew uh, a Y-frame was, you know, five, six years ago is very different to what we call Y-frames right now. Don't you think? Yeah, I think five or six years ago, they were quite highly detailed stuff. Sometimes it was hard to tell if they were the final design or not. 
Um, and they will very often kind of throw over the fence deliverables to a team of developers so that you could kind of not have to explain any of your thinking. They could just read this document and know what to build. And whilst that's still the case, I think now companies are moving to much more kind of closely integrated teams, which means that the value of the wireframe as a communication tool, I think, has been superseded a little bit just by having closer communication in general with the people you're working with on projects. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And I think before with uh, uh, waterfall development or even still like when you have development offshore, there is still the need of annotating wireframes and just having all the kind of functional specifications written down around wireframes. Um, however, as you said, like the more and more we work in an agile uh, way, we get all people collaborating and working together. The, I don't see the really the, the need of a wireframe. I've I've been on projects in the past where we were actually retrospectively creating wireframes um, after the vision is design has been signed off, just because they are deliverable, but not necessarily because they're useful. Um, so, have you experienced that before? Just doing wireframes uh, at the back of the visual design? Um, never done it that way round. Uh, they've definitely been included as kind of a you know it's the agency delivery model of old that we've spoken about before you pay for an agency to create a bunch of ux deliverables one of which may be a wireframe it may add some value to the project it may not but you kind of have to do it anyway a lot of the time the same thing could be communicated i think just by speaking to who you need to speak to rather than spending a lot of time on that wireframe and it depends as well how kind of developed things like pattern libraries are and stuff like that because yeah. if you've got a very standardized set of ui patterns then you can almost build the page just from those in code some argue that's probably a little debate that we can have on this podcast as well hmm. um but very often they don't actually add that much to the ui design over just talking someone through what you want to accomplish on that page yeah, exactly. I mean, to the point that you just said, like once you have a, a design system, a pattern library, you just create a new kind of journeys or you're creating new pages and you're reusing the same components, especially if you're talking about web design. I mean, you could just create, a, like in Axure, for example, you create a, a widget library and you have all your components there ready and you just drag and drop and construct pages. Um, that's not necessarily like what we used to know as a wireframe, but because it's a bit more like high fidelity or mid fidelity, but still very useful. And you don't have to go back into, oh, let's just do some wireframing again, because what's the point if you already got the design system um, set up? Yeah, and the important thing as well, I think, is that that design system is researched as well. So you've kind of understood why certain patterns work in certain situations. Uh, they won't always work, so there are you know, arguments to test and update those standardized patterns depending on the scenario. But generally speaking, you're not adding a lot of value by just reusing a bunch of patterns that you've already come up with. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's also like I, I see a lot of teams getting a bit confused with the terminology because people um, use like sketches, sketches, wireframes, mockups, scamps. They all use them kind of like in a similar way, 
don't you think like people say oh, let's just do some wireframes and then they come up with some sketches or let's just do some scamping and they come up with like some mock-up so um I wanted to kind of have a definition of what what we think what do you think a sketch is well should we start and realizing we're kind of 10 minutes in we haven't necessarily said what a wireframe is I think probably many people will know but maybe it's worth outlining what we think a wireframe means yeah that's true in its truest form we can start like for me it's just a it's a framework um it's a framework of a simple kind of a structure of a page um you know this shows the the, the content hierarchy of the page um is normally low fidelity um and it's just basically to show the architecture of that particular page that you are showing and, and, and the message you're communicating with that design. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that really. Just It is just an outline of the page with the various elements you want to see on that page arranged in a fashion that indicates how useful they are to the user basically. So if you see them, they're typically like kind of a I guess an architect's drawing a little bit, so lots of rectangles and boxes and stuff like that. Generally kind of black and white as well because you don't want to introduce any sort of branding into there because that's not really the point of them. Yeah, I also think that um, wireframes, um, sometimes we make wireframes to look a bit more sketchy. You know, there are tools that you can make them look a bit more sketchy, but they're still need to have that you know that content hierarchy and most importantly as well I really struggle when people come back to me and they say oh, let's just put you can put together some wireframes and they're just boxes you know if there's just yeah. boxes it's not really communicating the key kind of content requirements so basically you just need to think about content first design it's not about the boxes it's not about the big you know um box image in the in the middle of the page is about the content that you want to put in there in and it doesn't mean necessarily write all the copy but at least have a a purpose for that particular module or component and why you've put it in there um, and not just a, a box with two with a cross in the middle that's probably one of the if i've got one tip around wireframes it's to not use lorem ipsum copy in there because all that means is you're not thinking through what the content should actually be and as Carla says it's not about coming up with a final copy but you as a UX designer need to have a view on what kind of information you're trying to get through to the user at that point in the page so just putting a bunch of blurb I think is not really thinking through the whole problem properly. Yeah true it really annoys me when it's just uh, <laughs> some boxes on, on the page and not not much communication so yeah, so just going back to what I wanted to do, like just sketching is just a rough, um, it's just a very, very rough view of what you want to put on a page. Um, it could be done obviously with, you, you can draw it, you can use software as well to create some sketches, very, very high level. Um, wireframes, as we said, they're more, more um, higher fidelity, but still lower, like low-fi, um, and they need to show overall structure of a page. And, and mockups, for me, are more like meet fidelity wireframes, so showing um, a, a bit more of the branding and a bit more of the visual treatment without being finalized. Um, that's kind of my my take on on those three terms do you have anything to add 
no, I think it's interesting to think about what points you can put those different kind of levels of fidelity in front of users as well. So do you necessarily need to wait till you've got some branding on there to understand if the page in itself works? Probably not. So I think even when you're at the sketching point that you can start to involve users there even, get them to help sketch the page, understand what they see as important. So these are all just tools to help you understand what your users want to see. And as you add more fidelity to those, you can start to learn new things. Yeah, that's true. One thing I wanted to say as well, though, is that um, sometimes the sketches and wireframes, when they're very, very low fi um, and you are conducting research activities, you just need to make sure that you're not testing usability. You're just testing, obviously, validating your assumptions. You're you're validating the content uh, requirements that you're putting on the page. You're van- validating the overall of structure of your journey. But once you go into usability testing and accessibility testing, you really need to go um, to the higher level of fidelity as possible. That is my opinion. Because um, other and also make sure that you have more final copy on on the wireframe or on the prototype that you're testing and ideally is a prototype and not just a bunch of static wireframes because um the more the the, the more uh, the product is closer to the real and final product the more insight you're going to get in terms of usability um i've seen people conducting usability tests with very very static wireframes not a lot of interaction um not not very you know well written copy and then what you get at the back of the lab test is a lot of like negative feedback as well people are not understanding this people are not doing this and especially when you work with research agencies is it gets harder if you're not conducting the research yourself so it's just it's just a tip like an experience you know the, the closer to you you go to the high uh, to the final product the better for usability yeah because stuff like branding and color can influence the usability of what you're designing right so there'll be some stuff you can pick up with a black and white wireframe versus some different things that you'll pick up when it's kind of fully branded finalized copy all that sort of stuff and it depends as well on your audience as well. So I was having a chat the other day actually about testing with kind of legal professionals. And I've done that in a couple of different projects now. And what we found was because of the nature of their job, they're very kind of detail orientated. So if there's a typo or a full stop, a period for our American friends out of place, then they'll spend the entire lab focused on that. So mm-hmm. it's actually really important to get that prototype nailed and validated and make sure it is as close to the final thing as you can get. Yeah, exactly. Especially, I mean, content and copy. A lot of people under, underestimate copy um, and they don't think it's that important. We say, oh, we just get a copyright at the end. But for for UX, is so key, like call to actions, labeling, um, clear creole functional copy especially if you are like doing an app or designing an app or something that is quite functional you need to make sure that everything is really well written um and the usability will help you kind of test whether or not you're doing a good job but you need to get closer to that final uh, copy state um if you really want to get like valuable insight um on your prototypes yeah i think we can probably do an episode on 
preparing and writing content as part of UX design because I think it's a topic that's not very well covered to be honest yeah that's true so it's all focused on the UI but actually the UI is really just a framework for displaying the content yeah exactly especially I mean if you're doing website design you know I've been doing a lot of website redesigns in the past few years and a lot of the um, design system as, as it is like you could always try to reuse you know a two column component a hero uh, component a you know carousel although I, I don't like carousels but business like carousels you know things like that they're already they're already there they're kind of a toolbox that you could pick and choose from so it's less about the design of the elements especially on web is more about the copy and the content that you put in there um and that's what i i keep talking to my teams about content first design so just really need to th- look out deeper into the content requirements and be able to really do good good a job with copy so yeah that's a great idea to do uh, another session uh, another episode about copy and content um just thinking about some of the how wireframes have changed over the last few years i think one of the key things that's made them maybe less useful in certain circumstances is the need to design across devices so now we've got people browsing on mobile browsing on tablet and from a wireframing point of view that's a lot of overhead to create all those different views of screens so you've got the desktop view and you've got the mobile view and you've got the tablet view and you end up needing to create about four million wireframes for one homepage. so they're I think other kind of solutions for prototyping and mocking up have superseded them now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in a responsive design project, the the best thing you can do is like what I call design on the browser. So if you have a, a developer um, in your team or if you are a developer, um, you should start like putting it in the framework. Um, and that's way more useful than creating wireframes. You can start like right away um, prototyping and testing your designs um, in the real kind of responsive framework. Um, I mean, there are other tools like Axure, for example, they have the um, adaptive views. You could potentially also do that to try to come up with a prototype that shows the different views of your design but yeah as you said if you could produce if you start producing a static wireframes for every single viewport um, and then annotate everything is going to be a terrible terrible job yeah and especially when you're trying to iterate on those as well so if you want to change one element on the home page you've then got to change it in like four different places on your wireframes and it becomes unmanageable very quickly yeah yeah exactly so basically they they are dying in my view because um they're not at deliverable anymore uh, you know you don't go to clients anymore and say uh, you're gonna get a bunch of wireframes um i think it's just a tool uh, that you could pick and choose whether you need it in your design process but it's not like you know what I always see is that um, people still think about in a very waterfall way about design so they kind of like okay I need a sketch and I need a wireframe and then once I have a wireframe I can send it to the visual designer and the visual designer can color it in (laughs) although visual designers will get annoyed about this but 
is it that is a very very waterfall way of seeing design whereas you, what you want is the the you know the team a visual designer and a ux designer ideally we call them buddy teams working together scamping sketching together coming up with a solution together and then quickly especially if you already got a design system in place getting into the final product as quickly as possible and ideally if you have a developer who can develop it would be much better you know that is the ideal world yeah so that's another episode i want to do actually is the whole should ux designers be coders as well debate yeah so we're getting quite a few good episode ideas out of this if nothing else yeah that's great so yeah in conclusion i think you know warframes are not necessarily dying but they're really really transforming and UX designers should really know especially when they come fresh from a course or something that you don't really need to have all these elements every time you tackle a project you don't really always have to have personas and user journeys and then wireframes and then visual design you know it is a process a methodology but you have to adapt depending on the on your project needs Yeah, and you should really think of them as disposable as well. So I think that's led to the the issue of people thinking they're the final kind of design or whatever, which is quite amusingly why these pieces of software have had to enforce themselves looking like sketches so that that problem doesn't occur. So Azure has a setting on how sketchy you can make Mm -hmm. your designs when you export them, which is a bit ridiculous if you ask me. So if your stakeholders aren't understanding that the wireframes aren't the actual thing, then maybe you need a different approach for explaining them. Yeah, that's another problem of of very good looking wireframes. Then when they look too good, they get confused as the final product. So it's harder for you to communicate that that's just a starting point in the design process. Yeah, and I think when you're presenting those in a portfolio as well, for example, you've got these super high fidelity wireframes. If I was the interviewer whatever i'd be like what so you're a visual designer or a ux designer what are you you know you've essentially ux'd the entire project without the input from visual designers or front-end developers or anyone else and that makes me a bit suspicious yeah that makes you sound that you you're a unicorn and i don't think there is such a thing like a unicorn i mean there are very very few people who can do both really well um ui ui and ux design and um and probably build but a lot of you know a lot of people need to be working more on a team in a team basis making sure they have you know their specialisms apply to the design so you got anything else on the wireframes uh no other than that i haven't done wireframes in a very long time which i, I kind of miss doing wireframes um yeah they can be quite therapeutic i guess <laughs> yeah. it's a chance to put some <laughs> headphones on and just crack on with some stuff for a while but in our new agile world constant communication is what we're after so you might have to unfortunately talk to some of your team (laughs) to get the best results yeah exactly don't say unfortunately it's it's actually a nice thing to talk to people well depends who's in your team doesn't it yeah yeah depends on your team but if you go if you are the ux designer you should always try and go up in the whiteboard and start sketching stuff and getting everyone together Um, because I think in my mind not because I'm biased because I'm a experienced designer I think we are the ones who need to bring everyone together we are normally the ones who do that you know especially the design teams so just go for it don't design in an island people no 
don't and don't be scared like you you I, I know sometimes the whiteboard is a bit scary you're like oh god I need to stand up and say something just just go for it I'm sure you'll be fine you're just experimenting anyway so just try there and and get everyone together and 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 open be open for collaboration and, and make others to participate in the process as well yeah and the beauty of the whiteboard is you can just wipe shit off as well so if you're drawing <laughs> just knob pictures rather than wireframes just wipe it off. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Okay, so let's do our various shout outs then. So you can follow us on Design Untangled on Twitter. Uh, you can send Carla only personal messages on LinkedIn <laughs> by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, we have got an email address as well, actually. So oh. that's designuntangled at uxrltd.co.uk if you prefer to do that. And subscribe as well if you don't want to miss any of our new episodes and leave us a review on apple podcasts so that we can get discovered or learn what you want to hear more about less about and yeah. so on yeah feedback is always always welcome and we try to address it as much as we can in our episodes and we hope th you find this useful cool i'm off to do some more black friday shopping yeah me too see you later bye everyone <laughs>